Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Animal House. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Put a sock on it, boy. Or else you'll be out of here like shit through a goose, 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 shit Ay, 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 ay. I gave my love a chicken, it had no bone. I gave my love a cherry, it had no stone. I gave my love a podcast about people who movies. deserve their guitars to be smashed up. And then that's the point. Oh, it's the guitar gets smashed up. But I'm not going to really do it, because I can afford to smash up a guitar. Who does that? I always find it outrageous when, like, you see people smashing guitars up on stage. Even, like, famous bands who, you know, have loads of money. It's like, are you really going to do that every night, Kurt Cobain? Rock and roll, angry moments. You need to unleash some aggression in rock and roll. This is true. You ever seen anyone smash up a guitar on stage? Uh, Yes. I saw Trent Reznor have some issues with his guitar once, and then he threw it around a bit, Um, which I think they don't generally do it, but I think if something goes wrong with the sound, then they do a little bit of smashing. That's the appropriate response. For sure. Make it worse. Yeah. (laughs) I saw, you know, back when Muse were good, I saw um, Matt Bellamy smash up a guitar, and I quite liked it. Was he wailing as he did it? Yes, he was. <laughs> he was. He was wailing the entire time. There was not. There wasn't a second when he wasn't wailing. They were such a good live band, Muse. They were incredible. This was at Earl's Court, I think, back when that was a music venue and not something that's being turned into flats still after five years or whatever. You gotta love it. Yeah, it was a good venue. So Iron Maiden there, Metallica, a bunch of other bands. It was good. It was a good guitar-smashing venue. Yeah, you know, there's some venues that work really well for a bit of guitar-smashing, isn't there? Yeah. In smaller venues, it could be a problem, because a bit of your guitar might fly out and hit someone in the eye. But at the same time... you get sued. At the same time, that could also be a benefit if you don't like the crowd. This is true. This is true, yeah. Yeah, if if I'm playing a gig that I didn't like... I do that for sure. Not that I have ever done that. <laughs> Take but I broke some of the keys on my piano, if you recall, at our last ever show at university. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember whether it was intentional or not, to be honest. <laughs> I, I've never smashed up a guitar on stage because I am poor. Yeah. Wow. That's the thing. It is It is a sort of conspicuous thing, isn't it? Saying, I don't care about this guitar. I could buy another one if I need to. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that if you can afford to do it. If, it. if it adds an enjoyment level. You think about the cost of putting on a big show. One, this is one true. Fender Strat is not going to break the bank versus everything else. 
True, true. There's a lot that goes into a big show. What I find more offensive is when shops have like um, Marshall stack amps that have been gutted in their window displays. Oh yeah, not not real Marshalls. Why would you not just put an amp in there? Or yeah, they've gone to the effort of getting this shell of an amp to put in their window display. It's like, well, why would you do that? It's for a shop, silence brand, the shop that's going to sell amps, surely. (laughs) But no, it's it's like clothes shops and stuff like that yeah get out of here brand we don't, we don't like brands on this show if there's one thing we don't like it's brands the only brands we like are the ones that will give us money i don't like brands hatch hate that <laughs> i like to do with cars hatch. don't know what that is it's, it's cars cars are boring i don't like <laughs> brandon boyd the bloke from incubus actually he's very handsome <laughs> russell brand russell brand yep He's all right, isn't he, Russell yeah. Brand? Sort of, since he got clean, he's been doing some decent podcasts and stuff. And, you know, he has invested a lot of time in learning about left-wing politics and thinking. And he seems to be going in the right direction. Well, I haven't heard anything from him lately, which means he might be working on something, something big. Well, will people refer to him as the voice of a generation again, like they did when he had that political pontificating moment a few years ago where suddenly everyone was like oh my god he's speaking so much truth um it's going to be a, a a wave of of left-wing votes in the wake of this no that didn't yeah happen. and then they remembered it was only five years removed from my bookie book <laughs> more people overstating how electable ed Miliband was oh poor ed Miliband. He ate a bacon sandwich, weird, and then here we are today. With the, <laughs> he also had with Brexit and coronavirus t- and two thousand one a space odyssey's obelisk with with their <laughs> pledges written on and I mugs and mugs that said "tough on immigration." <laughs> yeah, and mugs in Parliament as well. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's been a long week. <laughs> it's only Wednesday. Week. It's already been a long week. It feels like I've been at work for about six months non-stop this week. Does it? Yeah. It is. Is all work not just now cancelled because of the coronavirus? Isn't that where we're heading? No, it's going to be you work through the coronavirus. All right. And if you die, you die. If you die, then someone else picks up your work. Is that how it works? Is that how work works? That's how work works. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> you you just keep going until you die and then when you die someone else takes your job and it's seen as a great opportunity that they pick up the additional workload. Right. This sounds a bit um a bit Orwellian, doesn't it? This sounds like a film. Oh uh, yeah. A dystopian or, film or, called or Work real, real Life in <laughs> 6 months. Ah, uh, actually no, let's let's save that one for Halloween, am I right? Yeah, let's save all work for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Halloween work. One day of the year, everyone has to work, and then the rest... Of, it's, this is like um, the sequel to Opposite Day. But it's like one day a year, everyone has to work like really, really hard for 24 hours, and then the rest of the year, everyone gets to play. I mean, that would be amazing. It was a very extreme version of um, the guy who said, the, the economist, John Stuart Mill, whoever it was, I can't remember, he said that 
by predicted by this age that we'd be working less and less and we'd have so much leisure time because we'd have just like automated everything and built machines to make to do all the work for us yeah that would work if we weren't under capitalism wouldn't it yeah (laughs) so this could be the ultimate anti-capitalist film proof that you know if you just worked for one day a year and then messed around the rest of the time it'd, it'd be fine to be honest it probably would be yeah Although obviously that doesn't include that doesn't include people who work in you know essential services, which is a large part of the economy. But then, people who surely by people working less, there'd be less need for those essential services. Because think of the number of people who would just die in hang gliding accidents every year. That would take a huge <laughs> weight off the NHS. <laughs> That's true. Hang gliding is never going to be so popular. As in this film. This, yeah. this film is just going to have a backdrop of people constantly hang gliding all the time. And you've got 364 days a year to do whatever you want. At least 50 days of that is going to be hang gliding. Yeah. That's like mandatory. It's, that's the other rule. You mandatory have, hang gliding. You only have to work one day a year, but you have to spend 50 days of the rest of the year hang gliding. Sounds all right. I take that. And if you survive, you get to continue living in this paradise. Yeah. And you have to do it on like non-windy days as well, when you can't really get off the ground. Yeah. You're You're just just... sort of running along and jumping. (laughs) You're just there on the edge of a cliff, just jumping (laughs) off and hoping for the best. Yeah. And the government that is there behind you, the health minister, Matt Hancock, is standing there behind you going, come on, jump. We've got an app that will help you with this. (laughs) Yeah, he gives hands you a phone with the hang gliding app, but it's stuck downloading because there's no service. And he's like, "Well, you'll just have to go for it." Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, we watched a movie. We did. It didn't have hang gliding in it. It didn't. Which is a shame. It is. It's called Animal House. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is a fact. House. That's the first bit of trivia. I'm doing the trivia now. <laughs> yeah. Trivia for you. This, this week's movie. film is called Animal House. <laughs> it stars some people. Some people. So yeah, I, I had not watched this in a long time since I, I think I watched it with you, but I can't remember for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it stood up. I enjoyed watching it a lot. It was great fun. How did you? How did you find it? Yeah, I still enjoyed it. I found there was weird moments in it that I don't remember when I was younger. Yeah, um, stuff that just kind of washes over you. Yeah. Um, so obviously you remember a lot of the big scenes or like the most memorable scenes, like when he's in the cafeteria or the big end scene with the parade, um, all of the parties, all of that is memorable. But then, yeah, the weird bits like the odd homophobic joke when they go yeah. off on that meandering journey uh, and end up in a predominantly black bar, all of that stuff i did not remember at all and so there's quite a lot of like new material in this film that i just haven't it didn't register in my brain over the last 10 years or so since i last saw this movie yeah i mean unfortunately it is a film from the 70s and it's it's of that time in terms of comedy and i think it would have been considered quite raunchy then it would have been considered a bit out there um and you know similar films of that ilk were you know, there there was homophobia and racism in a lot of films from the time, and that's not to excuse it because it's not okay. And the, I did feel uncomfortable watching those things as well, but I still enjoyed it. And that I think is a testament to um, the great performances and the great writing and the great comedy 
um, that I, I still found it funny. But obviously, if you were making it now, you wouldn't do and say those things. Yeah, and and um, it is. It, this was a. Um, it was a notorious film at the time. You know, it, it, you mentioned it being raunchy, and I remember, you know, reading quite a lot about the sort of controversy around it. So you know, it's this this um, comedic magazine that then reached out into film. Comedic magazine that has the word poon in its name. So, you know, it's rude from the off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so so it sort of reached out and became this huge thing. Um, you know, So was this the first film that National Lampoon made? Because there's so Holiday I'm, I'm not and... sure. So Holiday was definitely afterwards. Um, but in terms of the movies... Um, let's have a little look if we can find it. National um, Lampoon film. So yeah, I don't think I've seen any of the one. others. Have you seen Vacation? No, I, I don't Vacation think I've seen films. any of them. Oh, okay. Because um, yeah, they're 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 kind of different tonally um, from Animal House. Animal House is very um, uh, is is very um, raunchy. Whereas the 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 holiday movies, the vacation films, they're more sort of slapstick right. elements, and they they still got that kind of eccentric humor to them, but they don't have the same sixteen um, year old boy humor, as it were. That, that yeah, that uh, that that um, Animal House has the tittering at boobs humor. Yes, yeah, exactly. But trying to make out like it's adult because it's at college. And if you didn't know it was at college, at one point John Belushi wears a sweatshirt that just says college on it. Which is very good. <laughs> and I want that sweatshirt. I already <laughs> have the one. hat that just said sports on it, which Sam got me, which is one of my favourite hats that I own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so this movie, it still holds up quite well. Um, I don't, I didn't enjoy rewatching it as much as I enjoyed watching it when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but there's still elements of it that are very, very funny. Um, I think the scene in the cafeteria is still one of my favorite comedic scenes. Food fight. Um, and, and what I find interesting about this film is that it's, you know, it's all set in the sixties, the early sixties. Um, so it's almost got this retro nostalgia feel to it already. But then this film itself has become this uh, landmark of nostalgia in its own right. Um, you know, um, the, the perfect example of that is the brilliant Futurama episode, which which lampoons this movie, um, where they go to Mars University and uh, and Bender joins Robot House. Have you seen? <laughs> no, that? Have you I don't seen think I've episode? seen that. It's basically um, the the whole side plot with Bender is a is is a you know a concentrated version of this this script right effectively i mean it's and it's hilarious it's really really funny um so yeah it's, it's interesting how important this film became in 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 public consciousness when itself was a a piece of nostalgia already yeah and the early 60s as well there they, there's a lot of like military context there that's sort of weaved in I, I feel like they maybe only did that mainly so they could make a joke at the end about Nida buying Niedermeyer being killed by his own troops in the war <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is yeah. a very good joke 
but yeah, it's funny that they they chose to do that and just to put that element of distance as well. I guess it makes it just a little bit further away, and I suppose makes it easier for the writers to have tied it to their own college experience. Which um, I guess if we were going to write a you know a college film, we'd set it in the the mid to late two thousands, wouldn't we? Because that's what we know. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what college yeah. students are up to now. You know. Apart from paying three times what we paid for the privilege of a lot less contact time and lecturers being on strike and being very unhappy. I hear that it's exactly like what it was when we were around. It's, I thought you were going to say it's exactly like Animal House. <laughs> yeah, the, it's gone the, the whole system of um, like frat houses and stuff has somehow made its way to British universities. Yeah. Um, it's all gone backwards. Louis Louis is on loop everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, I, wa- I actually watched this for the first time the day before I started at university. And then when I got there, I was very disappointed. <laughs> you wanted more sex pests everywhere. Yeah. I think there were very enough sex pests at our university. Thank you very That's much. That's true, actually, yeah. Not, not in our immediate circles. But... No, but there were definitely some some knocking around you didn't have to go very far to find them no um yeah and it's interesting the culturally i wonder how much of an impact this had on performative raunchy um frat behavior going forwards yeah did did this prolong or intensify what what bizarre behavior men were supposed to do at universities because of this kind of satirical comedic really over the top view of it yeah or because or was it kind of already there and they were just saying what was there because if you look at films that followed like sort of porkies and stuff like that then that kind of takes it to another does take it to another kind of level of disgusting nonsense doesn't it yeah yeah exactly um and i think it inspired a lot of those kind of films yes yeah um and then also um the bad neighbors movies have you watched those no that's that's a recent thing though right yeah they're they're actually quite funny the efronator and someone else yeah so it's seth rogan um and rose byrne move uh a, a sorority house moves in next door to them or they move in next door to a sorority house or something like that um and the whole thing is like about a clash between them and either the fraternity in the first film or the sorority in the second film um and they're they're actually much funnier than than people would perhaps give them credit for um but again they, they, it's got the same kind of element of um of fraternity behavior and and university behavior and i think like hmm I I went to toga parties at university. Yeah, we definitely attended a toga we party both, together. We we were at a toga party together. Would that toga party have happened if it wasn't for it being showcased in Animal no, House? No, be- before Animal House, everyone had more or less forgot Romans existed, and it was um, Harold <laughs> Ramis who found this um, this like Roman villa under his house, and he was like, "Hey guys, I found this cool stuff. Let's look into it." And he read this thing, and he was able to translate it because he's a clever guy. And it said, "We wear togas, and here's how to fold a toga out of a bedsheet." And that was how he found it out. And it, and then everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I remember the Romans. Yeah, yeah." And put it in this film, and um, that's why we all study the Romans at school. 
That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> he's also to blame for the rise of Roman iconography in the far right. Yes, absolutely. Roman and Roman numerals being used at the Super Bowl as well, which is a very right wing yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, sports obviously right. Sports are right wing. I, I find it really interesting that idiots in the far right, because if you're in the far right, you're an idiot. Sorry to break it to you. Um, <laughs> what? They... <laughs> this is shocking news. <laughs> um, that that they use so they they have almost this idolation of um of roman iconography of viking iconography and they see these as these great standpoints of western civilization yo the romans would fucking hate you lad the vikings would fucking hate you lad vikings had much more representation of women within their society than the far right would ever allow Mm -hmm. in their idealized version the romans gave zero shits about race yeah. Um they 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 hired people within the empire regardless of what their race was. They did not give a fuck if you were white or not. And um, you know they were all men having sex with men, men having sex with yeah. animals. It was it was just one big sex party much like Animal House. You know, Ramus got also, it from somewhere. <laughs> also the Vikings and the Romans um were very successful uh vicious empires. They would not give a shit about you, you chinless wonders in the far right. <laughs> the Vikings were also into single currency and um, uncontrolled <laughs> immigration. I mean, they loved uncontrolled immigration because yeah. they kept going. To and that, that's in um, air be. quotes, uncontrolled <laughs> immigration. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're in the right wing and you're thinking, oh, Vikings, what a great example of Western society. Yeah, maybe learn something from the Vikings. Yeah. First off, think about whether women should have more of a role in society. And then secondly, die the fuck out like the Vikings did. <laughs> yeah. Reopen the coal mines like you want to, because everything was better in the coal mining days. And then, like, go down them. And don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> we won't give you any canaries to take with you. No, because that's such that's so, so woke using canaries, mate. Yeah. Real real men die in gas leaks. <laughs> no, real men get crushed under a pile of rocks. <laughs> or oh, so performative, mate. <laughs> I, I I I find it, it's really interesting how people do look at the term like, oh, social justice is such a wrong thing. It's yeah, like, God, imagine imagine like wanting things to be fair for everyone. Imagine giving a shit about people. <laughs> imagine like. Thinking that maybe it's not okay that some people are, you know, homeless or disadvantaged or in ill health or whatever. And imagine trying to think that maybe, like, we should try and make that stuff better. God, imagine that. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. All we should care about is um, cryptocurrency. Yeah. Cryptocurrency will solve all our problems. Yeah. Dogecoin. It's all about Dogecoin. <laughs> Remus coin. Romulus coin. <laughs> No, two, two rivals, yeah. rival cryptocurrencies. Which one's going to take over first? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's no cryptocurrency in Animal House, unfortunately. No. Unfortunately, not. No. What there is are a lot of great scenes of actually really, really good physical comedy that sort of work in isolation as well. And I think that those are the things that still really hold up the bits that really make you chuckle. Like as you say, when he's in the um. 
they're in the cafeteria and he's he puts all the stuff in his cheeks. I don't even know what it is. It's like cream mozzarella. It's really disgusting, whatever it is. <laughs> and he goes, I am a zit. Get it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and like when um, Dorf, they've wrecked Dorfman's car and he's crying and John Belushi's trying to cheer him up. Basically in the exact same way that I do to my son. <laughs> Like you would do to a baby, just by like making faces and crushing cans on his head and stuff. That's what I do. He smashed bottles over your head. Yep. Amazing. <laughs> and he just carries on crying. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like um, you know, when the um, they're doing the they're going through all the people who want to pledge to Delta, and Dorfman's face comes up, and they all start booing and throwing bottles. Also <laughs> starts doing the speech, and he's like. Well, um, you know, he's, he's trying to deal this up. It looks like he's getting his rhetorical modal going really well. And he goes, so this guy's a real loser. Well, let me tell you the story of another loser. And they all boo and bottle him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's, like, that's a, that's a, it's a masterclass in comic timing, this film. Yes, yeah. And, and, and alongside all of that more physical element and the timing element, there's also some very, very funny... Um, lines of dialogue say so I know that you're a big fan yeah. of the shit through the goose that, that I think uh, is still line. my favourite line because it's the it's the way it's delivered more than the content itself shit through a goose is, is an extremely funny image but the way it's said you'll be out of here like shit through a goose it's yeah. just like he, he is a wonderful actor and equally the way that um, Belushi says holy shit in that one scene after they've killed the holy horse holy shit yeah, it's just brilliant. <laughs> that's that's um, an incredible scene as well, but mainly because of what follows, which is it cuts straight from that scene of them accidentally killing the horse. Although Dorfman was genuinely that was genuinely going to do it, <laughs> he genuinely does hold the gun towards the horse at one point. You're like, dude, you're going to kill a horse. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's that's to do with peer pressure and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and it's kind of that's an extreme version of getting that across. But no, they they accidentally kill the horse and run away, and then, then it cuts straight to the scene of um, Dean Wormer talking to the mayor of the town, and slowly like um, goes out a bit, and then you see just like this guy measuring the of the horse in the background. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. And then he pulls out the chainsaw. Yeah, and that's it. That's the thing. He pulls out the chainsaw, and it immediately cuts to the next scene. Like they they never linger too long on any one joke either, which is great. Yeah. Um, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. <laughs> That's good advice. That's very good yeah. advice. The time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot <laughs> is me. <laughs> and um, little things, like when he, he hits the golf ball the wrong way and it lands in the soup and the cook just keeps stirring it and then tastes it. It just keeps stirring, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it, there, there's lots of, um, there's lots of really good little moments like that. Um, which it's funny because it's, it's a very meandering movie for the most part. Um, Yes, yeah, it's almost um, it's almost like Caddyshack in that way, where it's kind of just, um, and I know that we had, you know, 
very similar sort of, of, of people working on it and things like that. No, I don't know if I've ever seen of, Caddyshack. It's um, about, it's about golf. Caddy and his shack. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I don't like golf, but I do like a good shack. So <laughs> that's halfway there. It's a Bon Jovi for me. What's the best shack? Love shack? Yeah, Love Shack's not bad. I've been to... Well, when I went to the Arctic, I stayed in a shack, kind of. It was a lodge. It was really nice. But, you know... Caddy Lodge. I like to refer to it as a shack. Yeah, Caddy Lodge. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the, well, the fancy golfers go. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah. So, so yeah. It, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of setup, isn't it? With this... The whole sort of... Um, it is it's it's you know you get there you get an idea of who the characters are very early on and then there's not really much development there's a couple of bits of plot but mainly it is just putting these characters into short situations letting chaos happen and then moving on to something else yeah and every time you think it's going to be someone's story it gives you someone else's story it doesn't really commit to any one character and it might have ended up i think being seen less as this kind of raunchy throwaway sex comedy and more of a kind of like John Hughes-ish comedy classic if they'd made it a proper romantic story or managed to give um, Tom Holtz's character that kind of arc because that's where you you feel like it sets that up at the beginning and that's how it's going to go and then he basically doesn't appear again until the end. Yes, yeah. Um, And I'm kind of... I feel like it sits in its own little place... So I, I kind of like that it doesn't go down the, the romance route, really. Um, although it does mean that we're kind of bending the rules of the podcast a little bit to talk about it. Hey, but I quite... you see Donald Sutherland's naked ass. What could be more, <laughs> more romantic more than that? More do you want? Um, is there yeah. any other film in which you see his naked buttocks? There is, actually. I was going to ask you that because I figured if anyone would know that, it would be you. So in Don't Look Now, uh, the excellent horror movie... Um, oh yeah, it's with a, the guy in the red coat. Yeah, it's a wonderful film. Uh, uh, listeners, go and watch. Don't look now. Don't expect it to be like Animal House, <laughs> but it's a it's a, one of the best horror movies ever made. Um, all about grief and uh, intimacy and genuinely scary. I've never based seen it. A, based on a story by Daphne du Maurier as well. Yeah. So you know it's good because she is the best. Um, and yeah, you see Donald Sutherland's naked ass, if I remember correctly. All right. It, in what context? Why does he need to be naked? There, there's is that just how he rom- grieves? Because you know everyone there, grieves differently. <laughs> yeah, he just when it, when he's sad, he just gets his butt out, um, which is a good rule to live by. Um, no, there's a there's a um, sex scene in it. All right. Um, okay. Not in like a seedy way. It it fits thematically in the film. Um, but yes, yeah, so you see his naked butt. Cool. But. I bet it isn't slowly revealed uh, underneath a cardigan as he bends up to get something from in in a cupboard. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's just a perfect shot. I wonder if there's any other movies where where Donald Sutherland gets his butt out. I bet there is, Um, because he's been in... Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part (laughs) 2. Yeah, I bet he gets his ass out there. I would if I was him. President Snow. He just bends (laughs) over. Trousers fall down. Movie. I haven't. I haven't seen the final Hunger <laughs> it's Games. It's rubbish, film. absolute rubbish. And I haven't read the books, but the um, the last film was real dog shit. The first one, okay. The first one, good. Second one, pretty good. 
Third one. Fourth one. That's my review. I feel we like... We could talk about them at some point, actually, because they are could, actually they an are... interesting um, franchise, I think. There's a lot about them that is actually more interesting than you would think because people dismiss them and people are always dismissive of things that are sort of young adult phenomena aren't they yeah and i think we we should definitely talk about them also because people murdering each other for public entertainment in a dystopian future is one of those niche subgenres that i really love yeah and Um, it spawned a lot of imitators in the young adult sphere like the maze runner and whatever which is rubbish but um but it, but in its in itself, it's a knockoff of a things Royale. like The Running Man or yeah. Battle Royale. Um, so I re- I really love that whole subgenre. I think there's something really interesting about films turning the lens outward onto the audience and saying, "Yeah, you like this, you fucks." <laughs> I think that's a really good. It's, it's a really. Is this what you want, you film. hogs? This is what you want, you bastards, you pigs. Um, and and I think we could also then talk about what is the main failing of the Hunger Games, which is if you want that to be impactful, you need to show the true horror of what is going on, which obviously they didn't do because they're all PG-13. Yeah. Um, and so, I th- yeah, let we could do, we should do like a Hunger Games month where we watch, there's four movies, right? Yeah. We watch, we watch one movie a week. We do Hunger Games month and we cover them all. Well, we've got to decide then which is the most dystopian month because we don't want to make that um, like Halloween or anything because there's, cool halloween stuff to do then we really should have done it in february which is the worst month february is the worst fucking month <laughs> feels like it's been february forever even though February's a short month because <laughs> there's always shit weather in february and it always creeps up on you you is... know so I, always, I always said that like shit through a goose <laughs> it's just like shit through, a goose. shit through a goose hunger games i'm gonna put in hunger games important dates because maybe oh, we can a, try to tie it into something, right? Yeah, maybe there's a big date in the Hunger Games that we're not aware of. Well, there's um, a lot of interactions between a, a man and a woman where you're you're not sure if it's a date or not. So the reaping begins in June. So maybe we could do June. Okay, Ju- June is Hunger Games month. Yeah, shall we make a note of that? Okay, let's do it. We'll, we'll watch all the Hunger Games movies and I can talk about how much I hate. Yeah. And we can talk about how <laughs> my, my dad did a Stars of the Hunger Games annual one year. It was one of his oh, freelance really? writing thing writing gigs. Oh, very good. I'm sure he's never seen any of them. He just had Old to hungry. make like word searches about Jennifer Lawrence and stuff. Hungry Games. Yep, the Hungry Games. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, let's do that then. We'll yeah. do... June Hunger Games month. We'll we'll watch them, or we could just do it all as a one-off episode and just bludgeon our way through them all. Yeah, like we did with Twilight. <laughs> like with Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, anyway, there's no blood sport in National Lampoon's Animal House. No, but it comes close with Niedermeyer, doesn't it? <laughs> like he's a really yeah. bloodthirsty individual and played brilliantly. Just being like so completely over the top, yelling in his face, a pledge pin. And then pledge also pin. the like the weird implication that he's like having a romantic relationship with his horse, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> oh, like kisses um, his horse with the carrot. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I, what's interesting is you know looking at the the careers of all of these people that were in this movie, um, and obviously you've got things like you know Kevin Bacon and John Belushi. Um, all is well. All is going well. Going on to going on to you know be be icons. Uh, Belushi obviously taken far too far too quickly from us. Yeah, geez. Um, it says here he was still... twenty eight in this film. He looked about forty. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, um, cause, cause yeah, you know, you look at, um, you know, movies like the blues brothers, um, and, and, and this, and it's like, well, they, those are some amazing, um, they, those are some amazing, uh, like performances, you know? Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. So he was only, it was only five years later he died. Yeah. Damn. Um, and a movie I've not seen is um the steven spielberg flop 1941 i've not seen that either which is which is him and dan Aykroyd. is this a is it a war film yeah so it's a comedy war film all right that sounds good um yeah which uh which yeah it's one of the one of the few flops in in spielberg's career interesting um uh, a script written by robert zemeckis i think as well so ah. Um, two people that very rarely make mistakes um, or or missteps, as it were, if not mistakes. Um, obviously, Zemeckis had a little mishap recently because he did uh, direct Mel- Welcome to Marwin, which I'm sure we should talk about at some point. Oh, yeah, we should. Uh, we yeah, should. because remember, our boy Rob Sherman was really into the source material yes, of that. Yes, yeah. Um, and then they made this very bizarre movie out of it. Um so yeah, we should talk about that at some point. Yeah, very very interesting and strange source material, which I think to try and adapt that into a commercially successful and enjoyable film is a great idea, but a tall order. So yeah, and I th- the, yeah. the way that they did it apparently is just does not work as well. So right, okay, I, I'd be very intrigued to watch that at some point. But you know, um, but yeah, so so let's watch that at some point. But yeah, um, Belushi put in some some great performances i think you know blues brothers is is one of my all-time favorite films no it's a great film we should talk about that some some other time it's a great soundtrack and mainly i just love it when they turn up at the country music bar and they think they're the country band and they're not and then they have to play behind this like screen where everyone's just throwing bottles at them literally all night (laughs) it's amazing until they start playing uh country music and then they get joyous bottles thrown at them (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, the, so the, the Wikipedia page for Animal House says, the film, along with 1977's Kentucky Fried Movie, also directed by Landis, was largely responsible for defining and launching the gross-out film genre, which became one of Hollywood staples. Now, is that true? Like, I, I don't feel like there's much in this film that's, like, that gross, but maybe that's just because we're so desensitised and cynical however many years on. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a big point, is... Um this was one of the sort of pioneers of that before that this kind of out there um sort of gross out stuff was predominantly in the horror genre you know you're looking at yeah. slasher movies the, those early slasher movies things like black christmas as well which has elements of comedy in it whereas this was very much a 
it's a it's it's almost a frat boys movie as well you know yeah. the, the titillation the nudity the treatment of women you know is not very good in this film no. <laughs> to put it mildly um and so you can see like you mentioned porkies there is almost this through road from yeah. this into those kind of comedies there's from that to like porkies and weekend at bernie's and then you get to stuff like them eating pubes on a pizza and she's all that yeah she's it's all like, that american that. pie an american pie trip, yeah. all of that it, can you believe american pie is 20 years old <laughs> that's incredible that's unbelievable um, i think i mentioned i watched a movie with stifler in that i you did I really yeah what, what film was this um so it is uh so he plays i can't remember the name of it let me just find it it wasn't one of the hockey movies no it wasn't although i would really like to which watch, i want to see i would really like to watch that um so so it's sean william scott's in it um our boy who interestingly it was very hard for anybody to escape from american pie <laughs> yeah know? i think jason biggs got it the worst of everyone yeah yeah like um, he was always typecast as that like nerd guy and actually he looks a bit like Ed Miliband, now that I think about it. <laughs> he does look a bit like Ed Miliband, actually. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, he did American Pie, Final Destination, Road Trip, Dude's Where, Dude Where's My Car. Um, but then he was also in things like uh, Bulletproof Monk, oh, if Bulletproof you remember Monk. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a... We've mentioned that in passing before, haven't we? We have, we have. That was one um, of those films we had like at school on like dodgy VCD copies from China. <laughs> where they like yeah. photocopied the artwork at a really low resolution and just put it in a plastic sleeve. <laughs> I, I I love that. It's a shame you don't get that anymore. <laughs> no. Um, um. And then then yeah, he turned up in this movie that's just come onto Netflix called Bloodline, and he's this school counselor who um has just had a child, and uh he's going out and murdering the 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 fathers of the abused boys at his school. Oh, and it's 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 this really dark um atmospheric uh exploitation horror movie it almost feels like a 1980s late 1970s horror film in in the way that it's framed um and i really enjoyed it and i thought you know what sean william scott it is good to see you in something where you're it's a recent thing yeah so it came out in it initially came out in 2018 um but uh, but yeah, it's come to um, it might it might have been on streaming services in America earlier, but it's just come to to, to UK Netflix, um, right? And yeah, it's uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was rather good. Right, his um, his turn in it's always sunny in Philadelphia is actually one of my favourite episodes, and he's one of the best incidental <laughs> yes, characters yeah. as Country Mac. <laughs> Country Mac, that episode is. Um, is is one of our favorites in this household as well we're, we're constantly quoting that um, it's a very good episode it's so funny um so yeah on this podcast we stand sean william scott <laughs> yeah he's great we know you're listening sean yeah you're always listening just know that we love you we love you we wish Big all fan. the best for you come around my house you can have a cup of tea and I'll get the nice biscuits help. Oh, that's how you know it's, a, it's an official friendship. Not the rich teas, not the plain digestives, the cookies. What, what, what do you consider? The chocolate digestives. What, the chocolate digestives, right. That's, that's like, in terms of the long uh, he, life... get, he gets the Choco Leibniz. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Where it's actually more chocolate than biscuit, but there's just enough biscuit to give it that satisfying <laughs> crunch. He can, he can still consider it a biscuit rather than a chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
Yeah, yeah. What, what, what would you say that those are like the prime biscuits? Then yeah, Choco Leibniz for sure, and they're nice, but they're not pretentious, are they? They're not trying to be. They're not claiming to be anything that they aren't. No, no. Um, I think a, I think a chocolate digestive. That's a that's a good one. Very good biscuit. Yeah. Or if you've got Sol- really solid, dependable, old, reliable. If you've got really fancy company round, then then you've got the dark chocolate digestives as well. No, th- that shit does not happen under my roof. <laughs> dark chocolate is bullshit. Dark chocolate is for people on diets who can't can't eat real chocolate, and it's for cooking. It's not for eating. Even though dark chocolate is just as bad for you as milk chocolate. Yeah. Exactly. If you want to eat chocolate, just eat fucking chocolate. So yeah, I like dark chocolate. I mean, I enjoy a bit of dark chocolate. I do not fuck with dark chocolate. No, you don't, because it will fucking cut you. Come near it. <laughs> it's the bad boy of the chocolate world. I, I like white chocolate. It's, it's like a vice for me. Massive racist. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm a chocolate racist. <laughs> I, I like white chocolate as well. I think I, there's something I, I, I... Whenever someone says that fact about how white chocolate isn't really chocolate, I'm like, oh, really? I've not heard that before. Well, I'm going to stop eating it now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't care what it is, where it comes from. It tastes great. I like white chocolate. Yeah. You know what the best chocolate is, though? What? Gillian shells. Oh, oh you know what? Claire loves those. Give me, give, They're her favourite. Give me a seahorse. Give me a seahorse yeah. chocolate. I'll be your friend forever. What's great about them is that some are like a little bit more white, some are a little bit more more milk. It's a slightly random as to how the marbling of the chocolate is done. Mm. So you, I always go in and go get the whitest ones out and eat them first. <laughs> I yeah, our oh, Gillian chocolates—they are the best. Yeah, big fan of if that. If they made Gillian biscuits, they would be the king of biscuits. Yeah, for sure. But they're perfect as they are. We don't need to change. It's true. It's true. We don't need them to change. This, this podcast brought to you by Gillian Chocolates. Yeah, this is one of the ones where, like, we definitely will keep mentioning them until they send us a box. <laughs> yeah, just give us a box We're, of chocolates. Yeah, Big Boys Don't Cry, sponsored by Gillian Chocolates. Brought to you by Gillian Chocolates. Gillian Chocolates. <laughs> I'm sure. going to write a song for them as well, and then they have to give it to us. That's how it works, right? Did Did you ever have the 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 chocolate bars that they did? Yeah, yeah. Because they were pretty good. They obviously weren't as good as the the chocolate box. No, it's a bit more overwhelming in bar format, mm, isn't it? The praline flavour is a bit too strong. Yeah. Um, Whereas the, the the little seashells, they're the perfect size. Yeah. Oh, get one, one perfect bite. I'm going to buy some tomorrow. I don't even care. Yeah. I'm going to go down the shops. About what? Lent? Well, I don't care about Lent anyway. Lent's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I will continue eating what I want. I will continue doing what I want. Good. That's the um, the <laughs> national lampoon way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk around stuffing seahorses into my mouth. Not even chocolate ones. <laughs> Real ones. Real ones. But the the male seahorse carries the babies. So what if one of them's pregnant and then has its babies in your stomach and then you'll be in a sort of um, alien situation? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And have have lots of little seahorses. You'd be up for a seahorse bursting out of there. Yeah, it'd be great. That that's how they make chocolate seahorses. Oh, is that is that how it works? Okay, so they yeah. need like a, a host body. Yeah, they need a host. This Every time... this, this is another film we could make. <laughs> the Secret of Gillian. 
<laughs> every time that you eat a box of Gillian chocolates and eat one of the seahorses, there's a one percent chance that that's going to then um, turn into more inside your stomach and burst. Out. It's like um, it's like Soylent Green, Soylent Gillian. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's, exactly. It's people, <laughs> little seahorsey people. Soylent Glean. <laughs> Um, anyway, right. Um, so, what else would you like to say? John Vernon, who played Dean Wormer, was Canadian. I didn't know that. I just oh, looked him up. He died in 2005. So, I'm not going to go overboard on the trivia, but... But what do you um, got? Ma- but Mark Metcalf, this isn't even on a list anywhere. Mark Metcalf, who played Doug Niedermeyer, you know his other most iconic role? I don't know. Well, he's one got, of those guys you vaguely recognise, but um Well, he's got two incredibly iconic roles for me anyway. So the first one is that he plays the master in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. You right. can't really tell under all of that makeup, but great performance. Um equally, uh do you remember the music videos for Twisted Sister back in the eighties? Yeah, because I Wanna Rock was always on Kerrang. Oh, that's yeah. him in that and video. It, it, yeah, he's the teacher slash the dad in so in in I Wanna Rock, it's the teacher, and then we're not going to take it. He's come home and he's with his family and he's the dad, and then they're also playing a Twisted Sister song. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I've only seen I Wanna Rock. Imagine I Wanna Rock, but it's in a house instead of at a school. It's right, exactly okay. the same. <laughs> Sounds you know- not as easy to rock. So, so Twisted Sister, bit of trivia. Did you know that they released an amazing Christmas album? No. <laughs> yeah, where they covered like um, they covered a load of Christmas songs. It's brilliant. Um, it was released back in like two thousand and nine or oh, something. Oh, brilliant! Like that. It's a pretty recent release. Um, so yeah, uh, oh, come all you, oh, yeah. So oh, come all you faithful was was like their single off it. That has to be um, on every Christmas album, obviously. It's amazing. Um, yeah, so it's great. It's uh, it's it's all like classic Christmas songs. Um, so let's have a look. We've got yeah, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Oh, come all you faithful, white Christmas. Uh, you've got I saw mummy kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> of course, deck the halls. Chestnuts roasting for an op- uh, on an open fire, and we wish you a, a, a twisted Christmas. Of course, low key twisted sister. They're one of the better hair metal bands. Yeah. They they always were like Van Halen minus the guitar skills, but with a lot more colourful spandex. And you're like, that's fine. That's an equation I like. Yeah, they were much more fun. Yeah. Fun Halen. <laughs> fun, <laughs> this is what fun, they should have been called. Fun Halen, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Mark Metcalf was in Seinfeld as the conductor guy. Yeah, that's where I recognise him from. He's only in like one episode, but it's very funny. Okay, but yeah, as um, Niedermeyer, he is excellent. Yeah, Niedermeyer is one of the funniest characters in this. Yeah, like just completely sadistic and over the top and ridiculous. Him, yeah, all of the like the posh boys are hilarious in this. Him and Greg Marmalade. Greg <laughs> Marmalade. Oh dear. Um, I, I I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but we should really watch Scream Queens at some point. Yeah. Um, because if you like the 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 frat boy humor of this in terms of laughing at the posh kids imagine that but as a comedy slasher series and that's what scream queens is it's so funny 
um, a really underrated show um, about a, a, a serial killer on a on a campus um, and all about this sorority that's trying to sort of find out who'd done it um, with with an amazing, an amazing cast. So it's got like Emma Roberts in it, um, Glenn Powell's in it, um, Abigail Breslin, um, oh, right. Billy Lord, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's amazing, the, the, the cast of this show. Um, it's super, super good. Sounds great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we should we should watch that at some point, definitely. Uh, another one to add to the list. For sure. You got any more trivia? Um, so, other trivia. So, you know why Donald Sutherland had his butt out? Because they just had sex. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> within the context of the plot. But... Um, Karen Allen um, didn't want to to bear her bum in the movie, um, but then when they were having a debate about it, Donald Sutherland said, "Hey, look, you know, I'll get my ass out if you get your ass out. Right. You know, you don't have to do it on your own." And she was like, "Yeah, okay, then I'll get my ass out too." So that's why we see Donald Sutherland's butt. Cool, a bit of solidarity yeah. <laughs> with another. Actor. That's that's the the most kind of progressive forward thinking. <laughs> Feminist leaning thing in the film, then I guess is Donald Sutherland's <laughs> bum. It actually is, yeah. <laughs> and otherwise, um, films in which women are props, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, very much so. But yeah, so so that was my favourite bit of trivia for this. Um, D Day was written for Dan Aykroyd. Oh yeah, why couldn't he do it? Uh, so according to John Landis, uh, Lorne Michaels, the producer of Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Live, threatened to fire him from Saturday Night Live if he took the role. Oh, jeez. Nice guy. Uh, which is which is a bit harsh. <laughs> um but yes. Uh yeah, a, so I think I think that'll do for trivia. Those those are the ones that stood out for me anyway. Um so uh how are we going to rate this then? Uh let's see. How <laughs> how many times have you been on double secret probation? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, how many times so, have you been told that fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life? <laughs> <laughs> well, people would say that to me on a daily basis. Um, so I'm going to go with 13 here. The, the the bits of this movie that are still really funny are still really funny. But I feel as though... I don't know whether I'm just too woke now. You know, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm so performative with my wokeness. Um, in a woke context it is hard to watch yeah there's elements of this movie that are quite uncomfortable now and i know that's partly to do with age but equally there's other movies you've watched from this time period which aren't as bluntly homophobic um as this and 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 aren't as difficult as this um and some of the meandering elements don't quite work as well in the modern day but where it does work it still works incredibly well yeah, I'd, I'd say that's totally fair. I th- and I think if you, if you haven't seen it, it's really well worth watching because, you know, you will, again, trace a line through to Porky's and Weekend at Bernie's and She's All That and American Pie and all of that stuff can be traced back to this. So it's, it's a very influential film and it is funny and enjoyable. But yeah, as I say, some of the content is a little bit unsavory um, for now. So what's your what's your rating then? How many? How many? Um, oh, I, I, I'll give it a 14. I'll go. I'll go one higher. There we go. There we go. Yeah. It's terrific. There is a lot of it that does still really, really make me laugh. Yeah, and it's true. It's still very, very funny a lot of the time. Yeah. 
Um, I was just looking at 1978, actually. Greece came out that year. So it's a real year for retro. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Superman. Halloween. Watership Down. Another rowdy campus comedy. Yeah, Watership Down is definitely... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Def- definitely the the rowdiest movie of the lot. Yeah. Louis Louis on in the background whilst rabbits murder each other. <laughs> um, the Deer Hunter was that year. Wow. Yep. Piranha. Um, the Cat from Outer Space. <laughs> the Cat from Outer Space. I've never so seen, never heard of that before. A, it was a, clearly a good year for Donald Sutherland because it was also the same year as Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. A great, um, a great horror film. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like an iconic horror film. So yeah, so it's a it's a good good year, good year in in movies. Yeah, I kind of want to see the cat from outer space now. I'm looking at a poster from the time, it's like in that kind of spacey font. Mysterious visitor with unknown powers on our planet for supplies. Dot dot dot. A six pack of tuna. That sounds very much up your street. <laughs> yeah, very much not up my street. <laughs> Yeah, this is my kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we're not watching that next, then, but it is your, your choice, so what are it we doing? It is. Then? It is my choice. So I feel like we needed something a little bit more highbrow next. So, oh, God. <laughs> so we've Boring. had a recommendation from someone I work with for, for a movie. However, in investigating it, I found out that it's actually a remake of a French movie. So what I figured we could do is... If you're feeling up for it, we could watch both the original and the remake. Or if you don't have time, we could just watch the remake this time around. Maybe let's let's commit to definitely doing the remake and I'll watch the original if I can fit it in. Sure. So I do like watching French films. We enjoyed recently J'ai perdu mon corps. Oui. Oh yeah, I, I like I like French cinema. Yeah. Um because I am a pretentious woke snob as we've yep. already established in this episode. Um, so, so we're going to be watching 2004's Wicker Park, ah, which was the okay. recommendation, but there's a remake a remake of L'Appartement from 1996, ah, okay. um, which stars Vincent Cassel, and I love Vincent Cassel, so I'm very much down for watching that. I've heard um, of this. It's one of those films where I've, I've seen the poster like everywhere and then never, never got around to watching it, so... Yeah, so so we'll definitely watch Wicker Park, and then you let me know if you find the time to um, to watch the original as well, and then we can either discuss both or just the remake. Cool, cool. Oh no, it says here remake of L'Appartement, which in turn is loosely based on Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Isn't everything though? <laughs> My life is based on A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, in that there's a in bottle you're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we went down the same route. <laughs> Bottom ass. Yeah. You know, it's it's all in there. Shakespeare <laughs> knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um Yeah, and th- and then we can talk about the most bizarre performance of a Midsummer Night's Dream that I've ever seen. Which was Oh, okay, save it. Save it. I will I will tell you in the next episode. Oh, cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. Boop, boop, boop. Bottom. Cool. All right. Well, we better be out of here like shit through a goose. So, <laughs> but um, thanks a lot for tuning in. I really, really enjoy it, and hope you enjoyed Animal House and were able to, you know, not be too woke, or at least to try and enjoy it in a, in a woke context. 
which is how it all works now. We hope you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod on the emails, Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch and please rate, comment, subscribe, review, share, do all that stuff. Be sociable. Be social. You know, invest your time on social media and being positive instead of contributing to the big cesspit that it is. Yeah, be 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 positive. Don't go hurling abuse at Yorkshire tea like people have been doing. I, what what happened? I saw vaguely saw something to do with that. Yeah, so um, our new chancellor took a photo with a big bag of Yorkshire tea, and then obviously people on the left wing decided it was Yorkshire tea's fault that the chancellor likes Yorkshire tea, and started saying that they were never going to buy Yorkshire tea again. So is Yorkshire tea right wing now? Yeah, apparently now they're they're Brexit loving scumbags. Apparently, according to according to the left wing on Twitter, um, even though the, the the poor people running the social media had no control over the fact that the chancellor took photos, and equally, weirdly enough, people on the left wing didn't have that same kind of issue when Jeremy Corbyn took a photo with a giant bag of Yorkshire tea a couple of I years. I thought you were going to say with a giant marrow, <laughs> which you <laughs> were doing every week. As well. <laughs> he's just there at home giant marrow in one hand yorkshire tea in the other yep. um but yeah so be nice to people on social media it doesn't matter because tea is shit anyway you fuck off <laughs> coffee exists be, be nice yeah coffee is just tea for pretentious people coffee is tea for people who are strong and manly and good performative like maleness <laughs> yep coffee is for I, men <laughs> I hear that the Romans fucking loved coffee. Yeah, the Romans the Romans invented coffee, mate. And the Vikings and the Vikings loved coffee. Yeah. The only reason the Vikings <laughs> were able to do what they did was because they were all high on caffeine. They were all high on caffeine all the time. Yeah. Um Yeah, so yeah, and be nice on social yeah. media. Also be nice to the people who run the brand accounts on social media because it is their yes. jobs. And it's actually not Don't a good be... job. I've done it. No, it's, it's a really I've done not it. It's great. It can be incredibly <laughs> it's draining. Really annoying. So and... don't be a dick to company Twitter accounts or company Facebook accounts because there's people at the other end of it, you numpties. Yes, there are. Although I reserve the right to tell Southwestern Railway to fuck off on Twitter every now and then. <laughs> That's my one <laughs> exception to that rule. <laughs> oh dear. So yes, no, be nice. Yeah. And listen to our podcast. Be nice to listen to our podcast. Go back and listen to old episodes because we've got a lot of them. There's probably some films there that we've covered that you like. So yeah, dig it. Yeah, get on it. Get, get on the oldies. Get on it. And, you know, if all else fails, just, you know, be joyful like John Belushi in Animal House. Crush cans on your head. Fool around, you know? If you feel like it's yes. over, you know, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No. Was it over when you accidentally kill a horse? No. <laughs> no. It's not over until you're out of here like shit through a goose. How many times <laughs> can I get that into one episode? <laughs> it's the main reason that I chose this film, to be honest. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, we'll be back next time to talk about Wicker Park. And thanks a lot for tuning in. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Put a sock on it, boy. Or else you'll be out of here like shit through a goose. 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 Shit through a goose.
for someone to put his foot down and that foot is me